This episode of The Matt Ferret Show is brought to you by the Brickhouse Agency. Brickhouse is a boutique independent health insurance agency that focuses on finding the right Medicare coverage for folks across the country. Matt's wife, Nikki, is the heart behind Brickhouse. She's great at making confusing things clear and is passionate about helping people find a Medicare insurance policy that suits their individual needs. To schedule a free one-on-one appointment with Nikki or a member of her team, head on over to BrickHouseAgency.com or simply call 844-844-6565 and someone will help you schedule a phone call or a Zoom meeting. The consultation is free because the insurance companies pay BrickHouse, not you. There's never any pressure or obligation to enroll. Your clearer, simpler Medicare journey is just a call or click away. BrickHouseAgency.com Not affiliated with or endorsed by the government or federal Medicare program. Contacting BrickHouse Agency, LLC will direct you to a licensed insurance agent. Hello, everyone. This is Matt Ferret, author of Prepare for Medicare and Prepare for Social Security Insiders Guidebooks and Online Course Training Series. Welcome to another episode of The Matt Ferret Show, where I interview insiders and experts to help light a path to successful living in midlife, retirement, and beyond. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I am thrilled that you are here. This is such an interesting topic. I want to get into it right away. But first of all, tell everybody what you do, how long you've been doing it, and how you help people. So since 2009, I have helped and continue to help people to clutter their lives. I'm a little different. A lot of times when you think of a professional organizer, you think of just the physical stuff, but clutter is so much more than the physical stuff. So we talk about emotional relationship, social media, it's all clutter. So I help people to clutter their lives. I already said it. I'll say it again. I love this topic because, you know, I don't know, you read stuff like professional organizers and I look at my closet and I go, well, I'll just throw three quarters of my stuff out, but I want to get, and you know, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, but um, I think I'm pretty good at it. I want to get into though, as it pertains to clutter, uh, two specific topics. Mm -hmm. Um, And I won't not limit it to that, but let's talk about downsizing. I think, you know, even over the pandemic, a lot of people moved. A lot of people uh, took the opportunity for remote work or said, this is not the way I want to live or where I want to live, picked up and left. And of course, when you do that, especially if you've been there for a while, stuff adds up. So if people are moving or downsizing, where do you even begin? Uh, That's let's start maybe talking about that, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, what I would say, the first thing to do is have your end date. So I'm moving May 1st. So as we're recording this in August, then that gives me plenty of time. Now, what I always say is give yourself as much time as humanly possible. I know in theory that doesn't always work, but I say that. So then you work back from there. Okay. I'm working May 1st and then you come up with a plan. And so I like to suggest breaking it down into manageable steps because a lot of times with clutter, moving people are overwhelmed. Well, if we break them down into simple steps, then it is much better. So you have that end date, then you want to make sure that you choose in the movie company, you've got, done all your research, you do all that. But then you start with one room. And I'm a fan of writing stuff down, whether it's in your planner, it's on an app, whatever works best for you, and you work one room at a time. And then you go from there. You know, people 
tend to think, oh, I can just do it really easily and really quickly. And that doesn't always happen. We get stuck on certain things. So that's why I'm take as much time as possible. So start with run room and begin there. Do you, I've always heard if you haven't used it in 90 days or if you haven't used it in a year or, or, or is there some rule of thumb I should think about when I open my first room, which by the way, would probably be the least cluttered, right? So I can knock right. on Right. Exactly. Which is great, you know, because then that gets you motivated. You get excited. Look, I just did that. I don't necessarily believe you have to have these hard and fast rules because 90 days might work for you, but it might need to be a year for someone else. So it's a good thing. You're like, if I haven't used it maybe in a year or pick an arbitrary date that makes sense to you. What I see to people where we get stuck is I might need that someday, right? That's why we want to hold on to it. So what I say to people is, can you trust that you'll get what you need when you need it? Because if you think, oh, I haven't used that garden tool. Okay, well, can I trust that when the time comes, maybe I can borrow it from a neighbor. Maybe I can, there's a rent place, a place where you can rent items that I can get it. Maybe I'm not going to need it. So trust. That is what I say to people because, okay, I'm going to trust that I'm going to be able to get what I need it when I need it. And then I'm going to let it go. So that's what I always say with that. But You know, you can start out with an arbitrary thing such as a year and if that works for you. For some people, a year would make a panic. 90 days would put people I've worked with, they'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm in stress mode now. Don't even suggest that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I Like I said, I go through my closet every once in a while and do a purge. But yeah, there's always something that I go, what happened to that shirt? I really liked it. And then they go, oh yeah, I gave it away. Um is is sometimes that happens but you know are you gonna die probably not then you know what maybe you celebrate and go out and buy a new shirt that's maybe not necessarily the answer but really how much is it affecting you day to day that's what i want people to think about so i i get i guess let's go into the whole downsizing piece so um it really doesn't matter if you're retiring or the kids mm-hmm. are out or you're literally just downsizing because you don't want a big thing anymore i mean i'll, I'll personally i'll tell you this right i've got one kid left in high school mm-hmm. um and i've rehabbed this house over many years and it has more bedrooms than it had when i bought it and i don't need all of these <laughs> it'll just be me and my wife and it's full of areas we don't use. So we're thinking of like, okay, well, where do we go and what are we doing? But I look at our storage room. There's a fake Christmas tree or two in there and there's Easter decorations. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a a couple of tokens. I think we're pretty good with it. We don't keep everything from there, but there's this stuff in there. Um, how do you start thinking about downsizing, like literally downsizing from, I don't know, like 22, 2,500 square feet home down into 18 or 16? How do you, how do you start thinking about that emotionally? That's a great question. Well, one, we've done it twice. So I understand that we're on one floor living. I'm like, as I age, I want to simplify, make it easier. So you have to really ask yourself what's most important. You know, if you like, you don't need to Christmas trees, right? fake Christmas trees or all the Easter gifts. So it's about being discerning and using that muscle and saying, what matters most to me? And do I really need this? And you have to remember that takes up time, that takes up space, that costs you money. That's something you have to dust. I mean, think about all the work that it's costing you to keep all that stuff around. So if you say, okay, I'm going to go, I'm not good with math, 2,500 to 1,500, then you have to think about, okay, what can realistically 
fit. There are apps out there that you can do for planning and you can say, okay, this is a furniture I really like. So you kind of get an idea and then you say, okay, like if my closet's cut in half, well, all right, so what is it that I need to let go? And so you understand how much you have and the space that you're going into. And then you say, okay, this is what's realistic that can fit. And I'm a fan of a lot of times people talk about this more in depth about memories. People get hung up. Oh my gosh. And so I'm a fan of maybe if you were a runner that you take all those t-shirts and have them made into a quilt, right? That's something that you're going to use, or you create a really cool shadow box on my to-do list is my mother was an artist and she made the Christmas card every year. So I'm going to get a shadow box and put all the Christmas cards and then put it on the wall. So that, you know, that's important to me because my mom did all these great Christmas cards, but then it's just going to take up a little space in the wall instead of where it is now in the filing cabinet and the to-do list, right? But that's just paper and that takes up space. And just this popped in my head, but I want to share this. You know, we our filing cabinets, even with technology, tend to be stuffed. There's a great website called manualsonline.com. Uh, and it's probably going to have the manual you need because those things are bulky and they take up a lot of space. So that's something if you know you're clearing out your filing cabinet, I'm going to let those go and I can have my resource online. So that's if you use a resource online, use that and let the physical or the paper item go. That's very practical. Um, and the practical piece, right, is... I don't know, in my logical brain, uh, it makes all the sense in the world, right? You're going for 2,500 to 1,500, you got to save a thousand square feet. So, yep. right, you have to downsize by, let's just round it to almost a third, right? And maybe I have yep. one left over. So you don't move into a packed new house that's just, you know, teeming at the gills with stuff. I want to go to the emotional piece, though. Sure. Um why do people collect? Um, is there something to do with hoarding? Is, is, you know, not just TV level hoarding, right? TV show level. But right. I mean, like emotional attachments to things that, you know, you walk into that one room and go, oh, I couldn't possibly get rid of this. Or this has value. And someone might go try, you know, maybe I should give it away. Maybe someone else could use this. What is it that hangs us up as as human beings around emotional attachments to either memories or assigning value to something that may not be valuable to anyone else? Okay, I have a couple thoughts on this. First, about collecting. Feng Shui, which is the art of placement in your home, believes you collect what you believe you're missing from your life. So I'll share myself as an example. Um, when I lived in Los Angeles, I was a victim of a violent crime. And after that happened, the first thing I did is I went and I got this beautiful angel and I placed it over my door. Now, remember, this is just happening. I'm not thinking logically or thinking through this. And later after I read that book, I'm like, oh, I collect angels. What's that about? Ah, angels to me represent love and protection which makes sense why I started collecting them. As soon as I figured that out, I'm like, I don't have the need to collect them anymore. And I still have angels. I love them, but I wasn't collecting them like I was. So I just want people to consider that for a moment because people really can have huge collections. And it's not, not only the collections, but having several collections that have several items. So just stew on that. And then with memories, where we get tripped up is we believe we place our emotions onto the objects, but the memories are in our hearts and they're in our heads. And if we let that object go, the memory's not going to go, right? But we think, uh-oh, if I give away grandpa's 
golf clubs, then grandpa's going away. Grandpa's not going away. Those memories are still there. So that's a lot of times what trips people up. Now, if you have the luxury of time, it is okay. And especially with seniors, I want to share this because if you're able to have the time, don't rush them. And so if they need to hold an object and tell you a story, allow them to do that. A lot of times if they are able to tell that story, then they're able to release it. But we've just, you know, when my mom was dying, uh, she wanted to tell the story of every Christmas tree ornament. My mom was like a kid, loved Christmas. That was her jam. And so we were able to say, okay, let her tell the story, right? And I think that's really important because that supports people and letting it go. But the main thing is to be like, okay, know that if I let this object go, the memories in the heart and my head. Does that make sense? It does. It does. What's the difference between collecting and something else? I mean, I, I guess I use the word hoarding, but I'm not a hoarding expert. I don't, I don't know if you are. but like... No, I'm not. And you need people that are trained in that. And so the difference is, I would say, like hoarding, you can't. They actually have a really interesting definition. I haven't looked at it in a while, but if you if your clutter only comes out 16 inches, I think that's a cutoff to being a hoarder, you know, but there's a mental illness aspect to hoarding. And so I would say if you can't move in the house, you're just full of clutter. That's when you're talking about hoarding. But, you know, I remember going to a party when I lived in Los Angeles and this woman had a celebration at Christmas and I'd never seen so many nutcrackers in my life. I probably didn't know that many nutcrackers existed. Right. But this was a huge house. It wasn't cluttered. She obviously had the room for storage. She was like my mom. That was her thing. But if we have the nutcrackers, if we have albums, if we have clothes, right, then that's when it becomes overwhelming. And I would say, can you let some of it go? And if you're like, oh, really struggling to let any of it go, that's when we would say, oh, you know what? I might need some support on that. Like, what's going on here? You know, I mentioned. Uh, what feng shui believes about collecting, what's the deeper issue? So, you know, if we have to have old, hold on to stuff, maybe we have a scarcity mentality or, you know what, I grew up really poor and I I don't want to go back to that. And I'm afraid I've worked hard and, and gotten these things that if I let it go, what's going to happen? Or if you grew up in a home where life was chaotic and everything was everywhere, that's your comfort zone to have everything neat and organized. Whoa. We're going into uncharted territory that I'm feeling a little nervous. This is out of my box, right? So we always try to think, is there a bigger picture? Or, you know, I think with life transitions, that's when you have to cut yourself some slack. Maybe you are uh, getting married, you're getting divorced, you're having a baby, you know, life happens. And so things might get temporarily crazy. We're remodeling. Shoot me now. We're at the end. But like my office has my bedroom stuff in it. That's just how it is. You know, we don't have a huge house. That's where it has to go. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be over soon. And I just power through it. So there's just different things to take into consideration. Um, how do I, uh, I guess I'll ask something what we, what you probably already talked about, but I'm going to do it again, just because I want to, I want to, when I think there's something valuable and it's a collection, I mean, let's just pick LPs, right? I mean, it's all, it's coming back into vogue. It's been back in vogue. People love doing records and people with record collections. Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, I need to downsize, but I don't want to get rid of my record collections because it brings me joy and it brings me pleasure and they're valuable, even though you may not have room for it. So when there's a very logical kind of feel to it, it's not like, um, I'll take your nutcracker example. Yeah. I don't, like you said, I don't know too many people that collect thousands of nutcrackers. I suppose they're out there, but 
uh, I guess LPs are a little bit more like, you know, oh, that's a collection. Um, what, how do I feel about that? If I don't have the room, do I give some of them away? Do I try to sell them? Or do I just say, you know what, this is, this is my jam. This is my collection and we're going to have to make room for it. How, how do right. you, how do you think about something like that? Those are actually, it really depends on, it goes back to what's most important. If your album collection, you know what, Julie, I listen to an album every single day. I'm retired. I love music. I was a music professor. Then make the space for that. Now, because it's me, I'm always going to encourage you. Can you at least let some of it go? Like I recommend going through everything you own every year because one people haven't purged in 20, 30, 40 years and they're, oh, I got a downsize. Oh my gosh, I've got a house full of stuff. So once you do that initial purge, it's really easy. So then again, it, what's important and then what's going to work for me? First of all, a lot, I don't know about LPs, but a lot of times we think stuff is valuable and it's not right. And we Absolutely. think like, I think of those Hummel figurines or Pokemon things or whatever those things are. And people um, no. a lot of times they aren't valuable and people are not going to pay you money for it unless you get maybe a crazy collector who's willing to shell out. So, you know, that's where you'd have to do your research, you know, antiques. I don't know where they are. I remember when we were downsizing and they're like, oh, you just missed it by a couple of years. You could have made 10 grand, <laughs> but now you're going to pay you 600 for this. Right. So a lot of times the money that you think there isn't. All right. Or then you have the option of curating, like I mentioned with my mom's Christmas cards. OK, I'm going to go through my albums and to, because of space, pick my top 50. Right. So you've got to kind of navigate it. What's going to make sense for me? Like again, you can have that strict, this is the one thing I'm keeping everything. But if you keep all those albums, you better be going through your closet. You better be going through your kitchen items. It can't be that rule for everything. So it's just, you know, you have to have flexibility with this. Another place people get caught up is, oh, well, Martha Stewart did it this way. Okay. Well, Martha never sleeps and has a staff, right? So it doesn't have to be done that you have, what's my lifestyle? What is important to me? Like what I, people say, like how much clutter should I have? I was like, well, if someone drops by, are you going to be mortified? Or someone says, Hey, I'm going to be in town and you're okay with, okay. It takes me an hour to straighten up. I'm good to go. But someone else may be like, nah, I only, I want to be able to straighten up in 10 minutes. Right. Work with yourself and what, what's important to you. That seems like a really good way to check yourself. I love what you just said is like, okay. If it's clutter or, you know, level one hoarding or just I got too much stuff and it's, you know, seeping out of every pore of the house, that's a seems to be like a really good check. Like all yeah. right, if somebody dropped by right now and sat down for a cup of coffee, would I be embarrassed? Yeah. That's a really good place to be. Yeah. Not, not just like have a pillow awry. You got a little cat here someplace. <laughs> right? This is this is like, could I make space on my countertops or table? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the whole collecting thing and then selling it. I mean, I I I have friends. I mean, heck, I've done it, right? I've got I've got all these old CDs from the '90s. Maybe people right. want them, and then I go, well, they probably do. But do you know how much time it would take for me to take pictures, type whatever it is I'm typing, throw it on eBay? Yeah. Oh, then someone buys it. Now I gotta like put it ship in it. an envelope. Right. I gotta ship it. If it's scratched and they don't like it, they're going to yell at me and rate me. I mean, like the amount of hassle yeah. it would take to part with, you know, it's right there. It's right over there. I probably have 350 CDs. Do I listen to them? No, I don't. But can I part with them right now? No. 
are they all on Spotify? Like for fourteen ninety nine yeah. a month? Yeah, they are. I don't know why I have them, but I have some emotional connection back to my high school and my college, and it's sitting right over there. What do I? What do I do? I mean, it's the LP example, but but what do I do? Do I do I throw them out? They have value. I don't know where. How do I think about potentially it? donate them to a library? I mean, I know like our library started, I was really excited about, I'm a game person. It's like board game person. And so they've started this thing, hey, give us your old board games so that people can take out board games. So libraries are possible. Um, it's a, you're about my age. So I don't know if our music's considered like classical, uh, that it, like a unit. Uh, I know. got bad news for you. It is. It, yeah, it's we're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I'm like when we at the old East station, I'm like, I'm not that old. So, you know, I don't probably university probably would not be interested in that, but depending on like some books, that might be an example. And so what I, I had a friend and I can, he just moved in with his girlfriend and he went from 750 CDs. I think he told me he got it down to 150. So he went through and purged everything. Now, when I was in the Raleigh area, uh, in Durham, they had a really great reuse store. And so like, for instance, they had all these leftover wallpaper samples is one of the things I always remember. And so there are creative people out there. I'm not one of them. You know, I've seen I've wind chimes made with old CDs. And so there might be in your area, a repurposing store that you can donate them to. Like, I'm going to admit, I, I hate to create trash. I really try not to do that. Sometimes that's just how it is. But I would say library is the first place that I, for the CDs that I would suggest starting. And then, you know, if you're, you can always put stuff on free cycle a lot of times or Craigslist, especially if you don't want any money for it, someone will probably want it. Yeah. Um, that's, those are good, good outlets. The, um, I don't know. I'm thinking about my own CDs. <laughs> I, you know what I do? Here's what I do. So here's my emotional hang up. I paid $12.99 for that. Oh, good one. In yeah. 1992. <laughs> You know, like, right. you know, surely with inflation, that's worth double at this. Like, I, I don't know. This is this weird thing that I, I guess everyone has about their own thing, right? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a great point. Because especially I see women do this a lot with clothes. Oh, my gosh. I still have the tags on it, but I paid $150 for that blouse. I can't give it away. So a couple things there. I encourage you to ask you, what is it costing you? Peace of mind, the older I get, you can't put a price tag on peace of mind. It's costing you real estate. They're out there to the office. It's taking up space. If you, I'll argue till the cows come home. If you've got a cluttered office, you can't think as clearly, right? Because the inner clutter affects the outer clutter. So the costing you peace of mind, real estate, you know, that's just one of those things you have to let go. And that's a mental block, right? That's a, to me, blocks your abundance. Well, I'm, I'm being stingy here because I spent all this money in 1992, right? What are you putting out there to the universe? Um, and then the other thing I would say to that is who ask yourself who can get better use. Like when women get stuck in the closet, I'm like, is there a battered women's shelter for someone who's leaving in the middle of the night that has nothing? Because that would bring joy to someone. And I found that when I give, I feel like the other person gets a sword end of the stick because I'm like, oh, I feel so good. I'm making a difference, right? Someone's going to have an outfit. And so those are different things. And then, you know, there's no judgment here. But if you have to ask yourself, like free, let's take your CDs. Is peace of mind more important? Trying to get some money more important? You know, what is it that you need to do for yourself and then let that dictate your choices? Yeah, that's a good call. I'm going to, I'm looking over at them right now. It's not a burden yet. They're just off in a corner.
right. And so that's okay. Right. And it's a process. You know, that's why I said, oh, as much time as possible. If you're thinking about moving in 10 years, five years, start the process now. And that makes it easier. We're not going to tackle the CD tower the first thing because that's a hard decision. We want to do the easy stuff. And then we build that muscle and it makes it easier. Yeah, that's a good call. Talk about uh, giving stuff away. I mean, that could be its own. If you're not eBay and everything, right, that could be its own. Or I guess I should come up to speed. Facebook marketplacing things. <laughs> Um, that can be its own hassle. I mean, Absolutely. okay, you've got, you know, a closet full of dresses there. They have some sort of value to someone surely must want them. And then you could spend a ton of time figuring out whether or not it's your community theater, but it's right. whether or not it's your battered women's shelter, whether or not it's like, uh, how do you start thinking about like, how much time do you give to giving stuff away? Cause that could be its own outlet and own time absolutely but it goes back to what's more important time or peace of mind that's why i exist people can hire me if they don't want to deal with it or do it right or you have some of those just 1-800 i love when i was in raleigh there was this guy he'd go pick up he'd figure out what could get donated he'd figure out what could get recycled and he figured out what he could sell and that to me was a win-win-win we're going to keep stuff out of the landfill he's going to make some money and I'm getting it out of my house, right? So it's figuring out what is most important. You know, if you're retired, you have all the time in the world. You're like, I'm going to put all those CDs up and I'm going to see if I can get a dollar CD because it's worth it to me, right? Then have at it, then go for it. So you really have to figure out what is it that I'm willing to do? And, you know, you can hire, I'm always like to my nieces and nephews, I'm like, offer to take pictures, post it on eBay or whatever. I'm like, there are people out there that will hire you. Charge 15 bucks an hour. It's more you'd make at McDonald's. And it's a win-win. Let's go to retirees and kind of, uh, I mean, I don't want to sound depressing, but let's go like maybe your last move. It may not be, but maybe you're like, you know, you're down, no more stairs, maybe it's into a community, but either which way you're downsizing. Um, I have to think there's a lot of emotional buildup with not only your stuff, but the actual family home, right? This is yes. where my children were raised. This is yeah. where little Johnny took his first steps. And I always go in my brain, I, th- I think I've got this down, but I was, I heard one time a long time ago, it's just bricks and mortar. Like the siding doesn't care about you, right? The floors don't care about you. It's an inanimate object. You know, someone lived there before someone's going to live there later. That helps me, but it doesn't help everybody. How do, how do when you're downsizing for your retirement home, what what's different than just say moving, like uh, moving uh, and downsizing that way? Well, it's the end of an era. It's, you know, it's you're ending something and beginning something. One thing that I've done that helps me is I thank my house. Before I move into a place, I sage it and I welcome it. I talk to the house. And because everything's energy, right? And I can, I'm the weirdo in my family. I have no problem with that, right? And so <laughs> when I leave a place, I thank it, do the same thing and say, thank you for everything. Thank you for housing me. Thank you for keeping me warm. And then I'm like, enjoy the next people. Enjoy the next people coming here. And then when I go, same thing, like Sage, hey, I'm so excited to be here. And so for me, ceremonies are very important because that kind of helps with the closure, right? I'm going to end this chapter in North Carolina, and I'm going to begin this new one in West Virginia. And so I found that that's really helpful. You know, there is a process, emotional process. And so that's why it's important to have support. 
to take the time to walk around and thank the house. Maybe that's all you need, or, you know, you need to do something in the neighborhood because it was such a great neighborhood and honor that or have everyone over, you know, find out whatever that is, it's going to allow you and you process emotion. If we don't process the emotion, then they tend to come out. Like I believe for me personally, when I'm angry, I always like to dig deeper. I'm like, am I really angry or am I really sad? Because I found a lot of time there's sadness underneath my anger. But if we don't process those emotions um, and express them, they'll come out at the most inopportune time. Do you think all the crazy flight, air flight rage people are upset about the plane being three hours delayed? Yeah, a little bit. But it's more if we were more regulated emotionally, that's how it comes out and usually in the most inappropriate times. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So what if, um, let's say I'm downsizing, right? Yep. And I'm going to move into my retirement home and my kids are the ones that are emotionally, uh, like, I've been coming home for holidays, you know, my entire life and now that's gone and some other family. I mean, it, I say it like I'm making a, you know, teenager voice there, but I'm talking adults too. I mean, right, don't, yeah, yeah. don't they influence their parents sometimes? And how do those people, how do we, uh, you know, worry about or handle that when our parents are moving out? Right. Well, you've got to figure out something that works for you. And, it, and it's not fair for you to put that burden on your parents. You're in a grown adult, you know, come on now. But then you can say, hey, can I just walk around the house one last time? I'll tell you, like we have uh, done this and my brother did it. Well, I was like, oh, when we travel, we've gone to see our grandparents house. Right. The one that's still standing. And we was like, hey, would you mind if I looked around? And sometimes they're like, get away, weirdo. And other times <laughs> they're like, sure. Tell me when were your grandparents here? Or even just looking at the outside. So you always have that option that you can do that. But just ask your parent, hey, can I just have a moment with the house? Or maybe you have that party and that celebration. Or the family hangs out and eats pizza and reminisce and talk about all the great times and all the things that were here. But, you know, your parents need to move on. You can honor that. And, you know, if you're really super upset, then maybe talking to someone because maybe it's about something else right if the house is just kind of representing that and that's where our emotions can go but maybe there's something else that we're not ready to examine or deal with yeah that's good uh what about uh when, when our parents or grandparents are downsizing oh. and they're looking at that collection or whatever um i gotta imagine there's a lot of hey do you want this or hey take this uh going on um it, you know, take this something that means something to me. And therefore you're my, you know, offspring. It should mean something to you. And if you don't take it, uh, it's going to offend me because it, right. it yes. validates my emotional tie to it. How do you handle that? If someone's trying to do that to you? That's great. Well, first of all, this younger generation doesn't want your stuff. Let me repeat this. This younger generation does not want your stuff. So that's about you. Don't guilt trip, right? If you ask and they respectfully decline, honor that. Now, if you're the child or whatever, or grandchild navigating that, I'll share an example for me. So when we were, we had downsized once and we had my great my grandmother's furniture from when she was a child, but this was a hundred years old, built solid. It was great. We used it in both guest rooms. And then we moved to this house and we don't have a guest room or well in the process of making it. And so my father's like, you've got to ask your aunts if they want it. And if they don't, then you've got to ask everyone. Okay, I will honor you because I'm stuck with everyone in my hometown. So I don't want my life to be uh, made awful. So I did that. And then they were like, and I said, I have a great charity to donate that to. And then my aunts were like, oh, no, 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 you can't 
So where's the furniture now? It's in my aunt's basement. Oh, and then I'm like, okay, I don't have to have it. It's out of my house. And I was willing to compromise. I was okay with that. You know, some other people, you might not have the option to store it in someone's house. So maybe you do like I did, or you just say, you know what, why don't we find a charity where all this stuff can go? Or I know my friend could really use it and try to sit down and brainstorm solutions. So they know a lot of times when people, and I get it, they think that it's going to go, it's just going to be thrown away. Here's this nice object. And it's like, when I talk to families about their kids, like have your kids have a charity that they want to donate to. And so, you know what? I know these books are going to go to some, a young person that doesn't have any book. And when kids make that connection that, okay, my stuff's just, it's going to be taken care of. Someone's going to value it. And the same with adults, then it's easier sometimes to let it go. So brainstorm different solutions. And, you know, those are, are just a couple things I'd start off with. Does that make sense? It does. Um, when someone passes, um, let's just say grandma or grandpa, right? And let's say they're married. Let's just for this example. And one of them passes. Uh, and now you've got grandma or grandpa living at home by themselves. Um, is is that, and I don't mean the day after, obviously, yeah. but is that is that the time to kind of step in and say, hey, grandma, uh, is, you know, let, do you want to start decluttering or is that not the time to do it? And, and how do you handle that if there's a way to handle it? Well, you might be surprised. My mom, two years ago, actually today passed and my dad was like within a month okay and because my mom wasn't a hoarder but she held on to stuff my dad my dad literally had in the basement pitch when jenny dies right he just was like so he was like i'm ready i'm being free i'm excited not everyone was going to be in that same situation but i just share that because it might surprise you you know not immediately you know obviously grief is happening well within a year i mean a year would probably be the the end of it. But if you can bring up, like gently bring up the conversation, Hey, you know, how are you overwhelmed? Cause you're in this space by yourself. Is there anything like, you know, or if there's something, Hey, I'd like this, or do you think grandpa would want this donated? Like just start bringing up the conversation gently, you yeah, know, they again, might feel right. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I got to put myself in that place, which I'm not sure I can, but then you, you get two closets in the bedroom and one of them's right. full of your now deceased spouse's yeah. stuff. Like, I don't know how fast I'd want to go in there. And then yeah. if it's getting cleared out, I mean, that's an emotional hit big time, right? <clears throat> yeah, it is. It really is. Depends on the individual. They could be like my dad, like, Oh my gosh, I'm so ready to let all this stuff go. Or they might be like, you know what? I need a year. And sometimes, you know, I know they say, uh, since I've just gone through this and it's two years today, that a spouse shouldn't make any major decisions two years after the passing. And then the rest of the family, they said, you know, if you're really grieving, like give it a year. So it really will depend on the individual. But I think it's important to have these conversations. The problem is, at least in America, we don't want to talk about death and dying. I think there's this sometimes misconception. If I talk about dying, I'm going to die tomorrow, yep. right? And so yep. there's this great fear behind it. But the problem is, you know, I want to bring this up because I'm passionate about it. I just read the other day, two 10-year-old cats because the owner died, didn't make any plans for the cats. And so now they're trying to find a home for the cats. 
if you have pets, you need to make a plan for it and your children and all that. But then it's the stuff. Then if someone dies suddenly and you've got a house full of stuff, I have a neighbor, 18 months to go through. She did it by herself to go through her parents' house, 18 months of her life dealing with that you are leaving a burden to someone if you have a bunch of stuff that's really what it is it's a burden if you don't have a plan if you haven't said okay in my estate hire a junk person hire a professional organizer that is going to fall to someone to take care of mm. so let's let's go there let's go grandma and grandpa have passed and yep. there's a house full of stuff and a house yeah. Right. Uh, sometimes. And sometimes, you know, if they've downsized or whatever in an apartment, that's probably a little easier. Yeah. Um, how does a family approach that? Is it everybody swoops in on a weekend and, and uses packing tape uh, or uh, painters tape, different colored painters tape? Um, how do you how do you start? Well, you know, you have to think, all right, is there a power of attorney? Right. You have to think about the legal aspects and, you know, Family dynamics can be absolutely crazy. And so, you know, you're going to want to come up with a plan. Again, if there's a power of attorney, if there's a certain thing you have to do, if, you know, because they might say you can't go in and anything and touch it until whatever's happened. But, you know, if you don't have all that drama, then I would say, you know, you come up with a plan. Okay, and we're going to take a weekend. We're going to go to grandma and grandpa's and let's start decluttering. And, and let's first of all, is there anything anyone wants? Let's get that out, put it in your cars. And then we're going to go through the process of let's, okay, do teams. We'll take on a room and do all that. And then slowly get everything ready. Cause you know what, then you have to get the house ready to sell. Right. And who knows if there are repairs that need to be made and all of that thing. So it's really a process that can take a long time. So I'm a fan of, you know, working as a team, creating task lists for everyone to do. And, you know, and it's hard if it's just one person, like I told you about my neighbor, 18 months to clean it out. So you have to come up with a plan to do that. You mentioned, obviously, a professional organizer, right? So what are, I've seen people in my own family take a very long time to clear things out for a number of reasons. The yeah. amount, the emotional connection, the distance yeah. between point A and where yeah. you live. yeah. Uh, everybody's, I mean, people are working and they can't right. go take a week off to, right. to go a, a help B identify what you want or what you don't want. Yeah. Um, you said there, put it in a plan, a professional organizer. Um, is that something you put in your, your state plan or is that something you, you should hire? Yeah. You know, how, how should I attack this smartly, uh, with, with, and then you mentioned this guy that you said in Raleigh who used to just come in and do it and he'd make a little money, you'd make a little money and it would, how do I find that? Or how do I start thinking about that? Okay. Well, so for the first thing in the raw, I knew, cause that was a resource. I had that on my website at the time as a resource for people. So you just start Googling downsizing junk removal and just find out what the resources are. Now, again, like this, what he, I, I don't know if he did estates. I never worked with him. It, you know, if people had passed, these were all uh, people who were like, I got to get rid of stuff. Uh, and so start that plan or reach out to professional, do your zip code and Google professional organizer and see who's in your area, go to their websites. Maybe they have hit the easy button and have resources already, uh, listed and i forgot the first the other question sorry i i did the whole 18 part no 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 and i wanted to answer that and i'm trying to remember 
How do you oh. Oh, like do you do you actually like oh about this... in the estate? Well, yeah, yeah. So you could so if you're creating your estate plan, you know, you go to attorney or if you're not hiring an attorney, write it out, say, okay, you know, I've allotted X amount. If okay, it, or you know, if you all aren't gonna deal with it, then take money from my estate to have a organizer come in and clear it out. You know, it also depends. Do you have a lot of valuables? Again, like we think a lot of our stuff is valuable and might not be because, you know, if you can get money, why not? Right. If there sure. are things to sell, but then that's, you know, if you have a pro is going to know things like we have a person in my area who has a, has a store. And so she's really good at knowing this will sell, this won't easy button. There's guys, there's, I'm in a small town. If we've got someone here, probably most big cities or areas are going to have that. But if not, you know, write it as part of your estate plan. And I'm going to allot the fees to pay for this. Oh, that's smart. And then I guess obviously have that conversation while you're alive with your family. Oh my gosh. I can't express how important it is to have these conversations. Like when my mom died, my dad, one of the reasons I got interested in end of life organizing, my dad's like, okay, we're going to meet. I want the cheapest coffin possible. And when your mother objects, listen to your mother, right? So of course... God, we plan, God laughs. So of course my mom dies first, right? Well, so my mom died. Okay, well, what are we going to do? He's like, well, your mom didn't want to talk about it. I'm like, what? I'm like, we had all these conversations. He's like, yeah, it was just me. I was like, well, it would have helped to have known this. And so, you know, you're grieving. The last thing you wanted, well, okay, I guess we'll cremate mom. You guys had some conversation about it. It would have been nice to not have to worry about this when I'm trying to grieve and do 5,000 other things. It's so important to start to have these conversations and what's important to you. And, and, you know, not just, I've talked about cats and animals and kids, but what are your values? What do you want to leave the world? Like maybe you want to write to your family. You know what? This is how I tried to live my life. This is what I hope that you will do. These were my values. And I hope that you share, you know, something like that. That's really important. Or you want to make sure that family stories like in our family, the house is burning down and he grabbed the clock on the mantle. Really? Okay. Well, why? Not what I would have chosen, you know, but things like that, that I think aren't the stuff, but they're the experience or the good, juicy living life things that we want. Is there a dollar amount in your brain as I go back to the valuables, right? When you have bring somebody in or do it yourself, uh, I think maybe... Oh, I bet all of us listening or watching have been there. Like, um, here's a question that I got. There's a lot of golf clubs. They're all old. Like, should I sell them? Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, what am I a golf club collect? I don't, I don't know. Is there a market for old golf clubs? I guess if it's got a wooden, you, you see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, is there something like in my CDs? I'll just go back to me. I'll be selfish for a second. <laughs> what are they worth? Two bucks, five bucks. Maybe I've got something rare. And it's worth 20. Like, is there a dollar amount that you're like, okay, I get it. It, it probably has some value, but if it's under a hundred bucks, don't even mess with it. Just, just give it away or throw it away. Is there some yeah. marker? You get again, like individual, right? If you have a hundred dollars, say something's a hundred dollars, but you have 10 of them, that's a gram. I mean, yeah. I'd try to do something with that. Again, it goes back to, do I want more time? Do I want more money? Can I hire someone so I don't have to deal with this stuff, right? I can pay them 15 an hour and I get whatever, 15 or a thousand or 1500 for it. So I think that that's what you have to think about. You know, you know, again, like for me, I wouldn't 
probably at this for me personally five five hundred or less i wouldn't do anything like it would for me probably would not be worth my time yeah because you're trading time for money i mean it's like right working, right it's like working a right. job what what right. essentially are you doing you're trading yeah. your time for money and you yeah. gotta think about it the same way when you're clearing out or looking at your own stuff gotta think about it the same way yeah exactly yeah i spent an hour and a half getting five cds on ebay uh Right. $13. Like, right. And the golf clubs, I'd try to see if your community has a program for low income kids to learn how to golf. That's where I would donate those. Yeah. <clears throat> I actually did that once. I got some go old golf clubs from my grandfather. They hung out in my garage for 10 years. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, they were his and yeah. he golfed with them and he held on to them. Right. And he loved golf. Yeah. And finally, I had to go like, I don't think he'd want these hanging out in my garage for 10 years just to stare at them. So I went to the PGA tour store and they have a donation place where oh, they give okay, good. golf clubs to kids. Uh, I think specifically city kids that aren't exposed to golf or don't have yep. many golfing opportunities yep. around. And then I had to go like, well, that's cool to me. And that's probably really cool for my grandpa as well. I think he'd be all right with that. This is what I tell my clients and what I truly believe. When people have gone on to the next adventure, they don't want their stuff to be a burden. They're not angry at you. They're not guilt tripping you from the other side. They want you to be happy. If your stuff has become, their stuff has become a burden to you, they wouldn't want that. That's a really good piece of advice to keep in mind. Yeah. Yep. Um, geez, I could talk about this so much more and i could be again really selfish and talk about my own stuff but um i know we're on a, a bit of a clock here what questions about well we didn't even talk about end of life planning right we talked about yeah. stuff uh other other things let me ask that first before we wrap what other things do, do people not really think of there you go your will your trust your, your digital afterlife what do you want to happen to your social media what about if you have uh your music collection online, you have movies online. What about all your travel points? What do you want to do with all of that? So that's something that you need to think about. All right, go. How do I, how do I think about that? How, what do I do to, to prep that stuff? Well, so, you know, you can't, we still haven't been able to get, it's cause I haven't had time. I can't get my mom's Facebook account closed on Facebook. I presented a death certificate. It's like screaming into the void. So you want to be able to leave like your Facebook and your password or your Google and all that. So have a thing with your passwords for all of the things that you have, create a list, right? Hit the easy button for people. Okay. Here's my music collection. Uh, here is, or, you know, the other thing, do you want an online memorial? If who is going to have that? Like I've written books, like I'm going to leave the royalties to my nieces and nephew. I, that's what I'm going to do. But just start, begin by starting that list of all your digital assets that you have, passwords and everything, links, and what do you want done? You yeah. mean to think about that because you need, it's, you know, it's a pain in the butt. Like I'm your business person like I am. I can't remember what was the thing that failed that Google did and they removed a Google Plus or whatever it is, right? But then you have all these profiles and stuff hanging out. I have a Google account. I have more than what, you know, it's a lot of stuff and you have to think about that as well. That's a good call. Uh, what other questions did I not ask that I should have? Uh, well, you asked a lot of very good questions. I would say um, 
I can't remember if we talked about this, but just to remember if everything has value, then nothing does. Right. And so that's about becoming discerning and the wheat from the chaff and knowing what is clutter and what isn't. And I would say the other thing that's really valuable is in general to dig deeper, like what is my clutter really about? What is my clutter trying to say about me? You know, I talked briefly at the beginning about collections and how I believe collections represent what you feel you're missing or want or desire in your life. So look at the clutter. What is my clutter saying about me? It's the same thing. Am I missing something? Is it what I desire? Am I trying to not deal with something? Am I trying to ignore something? Be like an archaeologist and try to discover something about yourself. You know, the more the inner is related to the outer. And so the more you clear out your inner, like emotional, mental relationship clutter, it affects your physical environment. You're like, oh, if I release my jealousy, can I can let this go? I don't have to keep up with the Joneses anymore, right? I don't have to keep buying. So just go on a discovery with yourself. If people go to my website, reawakenyourbrilliance.com, I have 10 quick tips for them to take action to declutter 10 areas of their life, including holidays. Julie, this has been really fun. And you know what? I'll say it personally helpful. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate your podcast and everything you're doing to support people. Awesome. Thank you very much. The Matt Fair Show, related content, publications, and MF Media LLC is in no way associated, endorsed, or authorized by any governmental agency, including the Social Security Administration, the Department of Health and Human Services, or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. The Matt Fair Show is in no way associated with, authorized, approved, endorsed, nor in any way affiliated with any company, trademark names, or other marks mentioned or referenced in or on The Matt Fair Show. Any such mention is for purpose of reference only. Any advice, generalized statistics, or opinions expressed are strictly those of the host and guests of The Matt Ferret Show. Although every effort has been made to ensure the contents of The Matt Ferret Show and related content are correct and complete, laws and regulations change quickly and often. The ideas and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show aren't meant to replace the sage advice of healthcare, insurance, financial planning, accounting, or legal professionals. You are responsible for your financial decisions. It is your sole responsibility to independently evaluate the accuracy, correctness, or completeness of the content, services, and products of, and associated with, The Matt Ferret Show, MF Media LLC, and any related content or publications. The thoughts and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show are those of the host and The Matt Ferret Show guests only, and are not the thoughts and opinions of any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret Show, nor is The Matt Ferret Show made by, on behalf of, or endorsed or approved by any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret Show.